Hey everyone, welcome to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Marie-Pierre, and for all my English friends out there, you can call me Marie. I am a registered dietitian with a background in psychology. My passion in life is to help individuals heal their relationship with food and their bodies. If you're tired of dieting and tired of restriction, you are at the right place. I'm hoping that this podcast will help and support you as you heal your own relationship with food and your body and give you the tools, the resources, and the knowledge that you need to finally ditch the diets. Every week, you will be hearing from guest experts and myself on all things food, body, and mind. I am so happy that you're here and I cannot wait to support you on your journey. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I hope that you are doing well as 2021 is ending. Oh man, what another year. Sometimes I have to like take a moment to realize like all of the stuff that we've been through in the last two years. Like it's literally been a lot, a lot for us, a lot of our nervous system. Um, a lot of us have... Yeah, just been like exposed to like so many different things that makes us reach out for different coping skills. And today I'm super, super pumped because we are having Katrina Game, who is a psychotherapist. She is part of the Balance Practice. So she's been working with me for now over six months. Um, she sees clients with eating disorders and she is on the podcast today. And today we are going to talk about her, her story but also the intersection between substance use and eating disorder. So Katrina is also qualified in supporting people with substance use as well as eating disorder. And this intersection between the two is not something we talk about often. So we thought we'd take this opportunity today to talk about the intersection, but also starting to view substance use and our eating disorder as a way that we've learned to cope. So we'll talk a lot about it as a coping skills and things that we can do to support ourselves, but to take also the stigma away from it. I think both substance use and eating disorder, there's a lot of stigma. So we want to make sure that we can kind of work through that and take away some of it. So anyways, I hope this podcast is going to be really supportive for you. I hope that you're going to enjoy it. If you do, please don't forget to share to like and to review. Review is the best way that you support this podcast. Um, it allows us to reach out more people, more audiences, so we can continue to spread this message. So if you do like it, please, please, please take 60 seconds to go on your app, click on the podcast, click on review, say thumbs up, say whatever, <laughs> and we really appreciate it. All right, let's get to the podcast. everyone. Welcome back to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I am so excited today because today we have Katrina on the podcast who is one of the psychotherapists on our team. Hello, Katrina. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm really excited about the conversation that we are going to have today. But before we start, before we dive deep into the nitty gritty subject, why don't you tell us a little bit more about you and what got you to do the work that you do today? I feel like 
the question what got me to or any therapist what got us to do what we do it's kind of a complicated one it's never really one thing um but I have known I wanted to do this since I was about 14. I remember taking one of those career assessments and that was one of the top things of what you should do. Um, I think one of the main reasons is when I was pretty young, I had a really beloved relative end up uh, harming themselves and dying by suicide. And that was something that I think impacts anyone who's experienced it. And while he couldn't uh, continue his fight and choose to live, it's a real privilege to get to walk with people in their darkest moments and help them choose to find a new way of being in this world. Thank you so much for sharing that. Like that is so vulnerable and just so deep. And your clients are so freaking lucky to have you on their side going through that. And now you work with eating disorders, substance abuse. How did you get into that work? Because I mean, with psychotherapy, there's so many ways that we can help people doing all of the work. How did you decide to specialize in that? Um, I think they, those two things were always pretty high on my list. Um, but with substance use, there was a really fantastic organization in Ottawa called Rita Wood Addiction and Family Services that I was really lucky to work at for quite a while. And they had this really cool training where they were helping therapists learn to work with both because it's really common to see people uh, who experience both. And it's really rare to find therapists who are trained in working with both types of clients. So that was probably one of the reasons, and again, anyone being a therapist, there's so many ways I could answer that question. I didn't even really know where to start. <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah. I, when people ask me to like the story and stuff, I'm like origin story. I'm like, oh my gosh, like where, where do we start from here? Uh, and another reason that I chose to also take the disordered eating training was because I had my own lived experience. Uh, when I was looking for someone to help me with my eating disorder, I ended up being on a wait list for about two years. Mm -hmm. And I never actually got a phone call for anyone to come and help me. I was kind of sent to, I was told to go to different places that didn't fit at all what I was going through. And so it was really important for me now that I've been in recovery to be able to help other people who are struggling with the same thing, because it's so important to be able to work with somebody who cares and to also just find anybody with training, right. And anybody with experience, because that is so hard to find any access to care. A hundred percent. And I'm so sorry that that's your experience. Like the access to care in eating disorder world is redonkulous. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's just really, really, really difficult. Difficult, but like taking that and being like, I want to be able to help people so they don't have to be on their wait list for two years and that you'd be able to support them through that is just so freaking cool. Yeah, it's taking something I went through that was pretty hard and hoping that I can help somebody in their journey. Because if I'm able to do that, then those experiences feel worthwhile to me, even though if I could go back, obviously wouldn't want to relive it. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I've, I think I've said that like, so many times, I'm like, I would never 
wish to have an eating disorder again, but I'm also so grateful for it because I think it's allowing us to do this hard work. Like it's allowing us to have this passion mm -hmm. to help people through their own recovery. Because you kind of know both sides of how hard it is having an ED, but like how hard the recovery is, but how worth it it is too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's really, really cool. And that's what we wanted to talk about today. We mm -hmm. wanted to talk about this intersection between substance abuse versus abuse and eating disorders. Um, so how about we start with maybe like the substance use part of things? Like, what does that mean? Um, and if you could talk a little bit more to that. So when we're talking about substance use, I'm usually just referring to anyone who has kind of problematic use of substances. So that could be somebody who might uh, feel like they're using too much every once in a while or pretty consistently. I'm not speaking specifically to anyone who might be diagnosed with a substance use disorder, just because regardless of if someone can get a diagnosis, uh, either access or they're diagnosable for whatever reason, um, I think it's it can still impact your life and your friends and your family and work. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit before we press recording of like this piece around diagnosis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like how it's hard to get a diagnosis and to have access necessarily to that care. And then there's also the stigma that runs behind yeah. it. If people, some people don't, would want, wouldn't want to get diagnosed either. Absolutely. It's, uh, it, there can be so much shame and just even the ability to go and find someone who is able or willing to diagnose you when you have these struggles is quite difficult. Yeah, yeah. So when we think of the substance use, how does that then relate to eating disorders? So it can relate in so many ways. Um, some clients will start doing one before the other. Sometimes it'll they'll start at the same time and sometimes you'll start uh, experiencing disordered eating either in, re in recovery or start using substances in recovery, which is why it can be a little bit, um, complicated. Sometimes substance use can be used as a method of the disordered eating. I don't want to go too, too much into that just because I feel like it's important to, um, be careful with all the listeners at home and make sure we're not triggering anyone. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. So that we see that there's like definitely a big interrelation of like which one comes mm -hmm. first, mm -hmm. but each disorder can kind of like play on each other. If I'm that correctly. Absolutely. I know there's been a lot of studies on it and it's kind of looked like it's anywhere between like 17 and 40% can kind of be going at the same time. It's pretty wide range in the studies that's come out. Yeah. yeah, but that's wild. Like it's such a big mm -hmm. intersection and knowing that there's not a lot of practitioners that are able to support with both. Yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of my clients will try and go to eating disorder treatment and they'll be using and told, well, you have to get your using under control before you can come. And the same when they go to substance use inpatient treatment, they'll be say, told, well, you have to get your eating disorder managed before you can come here. And often what can happen is it when you kind of work on one and only one, the other one can get exasperated. And so then they end up going into treatment struggling more than when they were initially trying to get services. 
Mm, yeah, yeah. And that's, oh, that's super, super tough. So how do we address that? Like, how do we, and I know this is a super loaded question that you may not be able to answer <laughs> on this short podcast, but like, how, how do we come to that? Right. Cause it sounds to me that it's almost like both ways are ways to cope. And then you're trying mm-hmm. to heal one, but you're being told you can't use your coping mechanisms for something else. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of feels really difficult. Absolutely. It's so difficult. And I think part of it is just recognizing that even telling people you can't access services that you absolutely need uh, until you kind of take away one coping mechanism and then try and work on the other. uh, That's just not a way that can work. And we need to figure out how to, I guess, overhaul the system so that people can actually access services they need because it isn't okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you do both of the work at the same time. And where do you see this intersection being? Like, why do you think, or if there's research behind it, like why would someone with an eating disorder also maybe develop like a substance use disorder or vice versa? Like, is there personally traits that make someone be like more likely to have both? So the short answer is it's not fully understood why. The longer answer is there's tons of theories. Um, one is that eating disorders might be a type of addiction, although that's, there's a lot of conflicting research on that, um, discussions about maybe shared biological and genetic factors, uh, shared environmental risks. So it might be family members or loved ones using or engaging in those behaviors. Trauma is a big one that's often discussed. Uh, struggling with other mental health issues that you might want be using your disordered eating or substance use to cope with. Um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of theories, not a lot of clear answers, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of it is like both ways or views are ways to cope with whatever, like uh, the way I see eating disorders anyways, is like this, this like onion that has multiple layers of like why it tends to happen. Like there's so many different yeah. reasons, but a lot of it to the end comes at like the eating disorder is like almost like the symptom of maybe something mm-hmm. else that's happening in the way that we, that we cope. So it sounds like it's something similar with. Ab- wow. Absolutely. And um, I know there's also like just the culture we live in, there's so much almost, and I know you being in the eating disorder space, there's so much in our culture almost kind of like around um, body and all those things that can almost kind of like push people in that direction. The same with substance use. Like if you think of a single holiday in Canada, usually we can also think of a substance people would typically use on that day, right? Mm. That is so true. Yeah. And then specific holidays there's discussions of like even just the culture around food on specific holidays it's not about nourishing your body it's almost about like over eating and then there's a discussion about restricting in other times of the year and it's kind of like our culture even encourages these things Mm. yeah a hundred percent it's like continuously promoted and just like normalized yeah in our culture it makes it super super difficult abstinence is not doable Mm -hmm. we can't we need to continue to eat like it's part of living what's the difference or the contrast with substance use that you that you see um so yeah that is a complicated question because for some people 
the abstinence is the way to go, but I very much take a harm reduction perspective. So there are all sorts of different ways of learning to cope, right? And then if we also think about, again, our culture, some people will always be around certain substances because there's people using in their friends and family. And if they want to keep those people in their life, it might be conversations, even if they're not around those substances. So it's figuring out again a new way of being in the world. Yeah. And how does one go about doing that? Like when, even when we think of like that harm reduction, like how, how does that work? Depends on the person. So some people it's as simple as like, I've had clients say, okay, well, I'm not going to use this thing anymore. I'm going to use something else, or I'm going to drink water in between because that's kind of the way they use, or I'm only going to do it on these specific occasions, these specific amounts. Sometimes it is abstinence, right? Because abstinence is a part of harm reduction. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not using for a period of time. Yeah. There's no, there's no one size fits all on how that will look. Nope. Just like there's no one size fits all with eating disorder recovery, right? Mm -hmm. We're all so unique. Our needs are so unique and kind of our relationships with the people in our lives and what we can ask of them is also unique, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. And talking about using um, both either disordered eating, eating disorder, substance use as ways that we cope, as a way that we have found um, to support ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, although we may think like, okay, it's not as productive or it's maybe not the coping skill of choice, we still use it as a way to cope. Um, how would you, or what if we if we could talk about that piece of like using it as a way to cope and like that emotional regulation piece, like Mm -hmm. how would we start doing that without those coping skills or how do you frame that in your work? I guess I'd first want to find out what that behavior used to give the clients, right? Because we all start it for a reason. And sometimes it will be control. Sometimes it will be fun. Sometimes it will be a means of connecting with the people in your life, whatever it is. Um, and then once you figure that out, then figuring out, okay, are there any other ways you can get that? Because before we take something away that has helped this person survive for their whole life. And the reality is no matter how harmful it is now, it helps you survive. It helps you get there. We need to figure out another way for you to meet that need because often that's what it does is it meets an underlying need, right? Uh, I love that so much. And I, I like how you said, like, there, there's like a purpose to it, right? We, mm-hmm. we use in that way, because it's helping us in some way, like there is a need that makes it supportive. So being able to understand that, have you ever heard the, um, I don't know if it's a metaphor or analogy. I don't honestly, I don't know the difference between the two. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but the one with like the log I haven't heard okay, it. So this is my favorite analogy when we think of eating disorder. And I think it applies to substance use as well. It's like when there was a storm and all the waves were like crashing and it was like super intense. You had this mm-hmm. log that you held on to. And that log is in this case, eating disorder substance use that helped you survive. Like without that log, you could have drowned. So you reached out, you had that, and that was super supportive. And then eventually the storm passes and then you're on the beach, but you're still like holding on to this log that you've had for a really, really long time. 
So it's like this idea of like, it's not to shame ourselves because we've used those coping skills. It's not to say that we weren't strong enough. We shouldn't have blah, 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 blah. But to understand that, no, no, this, this thing actually helped you so much. And now we can learn to slowly let go of it now that we're on the beach and we're safe, Mm -hmm. but it's just like bringing that piece of like, there is a purpose. Absolutely. And I think often when clients come to us, it's at the point where this thing that helped them survive for so long is now harming them. And that's the hard part, right? Is because often it gave them something and what it gives us eventually it also takes away. So my clients who say we're using and they're like, it was so fun. And now I'm not having fun anymore. And I'm not connecting with the people in my life and all these things I was getting, I'm not no longer getting. That's often when they come to us. And mm-hmm. I imagine that's also part of the reason the shame is so big around it, right? Yeah. And how do we work through that shame? Like when we think of like, we're continuously doing something that now we have the like, okay, but I think it's harming me. Yeah. How do we work through that shame and find a place to give ourselves compassion through, through the recovery? I feel like, I mean, I love the quote from Brene Brown. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Uh, I'm going to misquote her probably, but it's something around shame can't survive being spoken. It lives in the dark. I have not heard that one. I probably misquoted her. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Along those lines. (laughs) Along those lines. Um, But it's just basically part of the healing around shame is speaking to it. Uh, What we need to do when we feel shame is connect with other people and speak to it. And what we want to do is hide. And so I'd say the fact that anyone's coming through our doors and starting to talk to us about it, that's already working on it, right? Yeah, huge. Huge. Yeah, yeah. Getting that support. And also I like the way you're, it's almost like, befriending shame of like it's such a hard emotion to hold Mm -hmm. we allow like the space for it to understand it like it kind of decreases the intensity i think of it too absolutely hey 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 i'm just stopping this podcast episode to tell you about a free class don't we just all love free stuff right the best, especially if it relates to food. (laughs) Um, But in this free class that I'm hosting, it is a 60 minute class where we talk about how to achieve food freedom and feel good in your body without feeling like you're giving up on yourself or that you're losing control with food, right? I think a lot of us, when we think of disordered eating, it is something that is being praised in society all of the time, but it also feels really isolating and really shitty if I'm being honest. So learning how you can start having a better relationship to food, to your body, is something that's going to be so important in just reclaiming your life. We've spent enough time, energy, and money dieting, and it's time to do things differently. So in this one hour class, you are going to learn the biggest mistakes that most people make when we think about food and our body and the step-by-step approach like how do we actually do this what is step one to five like how do we do this work what are the things that we need to consider what are the things that we need to do just to give you a really clear roadmap i'm all about transparency and really knowing that step-by-step approach 
All right, on that note, if you are interested in joining me for this free event, you can sign up at www.thebalancepractice.com forward slash sign up. And I cannot wait to see you in this class. All right, let's get back to the episode. Mm. Yeah, this is such a cool, um, such a cool thing that you can speak of, like this intersection mm-hmm. between the two. Because um, I can just imagine if you are in that intersection and it's something that yeah. you do struggle with, like it is a lot to hold. Like I think yeah. each each disorder of its own, like struggling with food or struggling with substance use, both of them are really difficult and combined mm-hmm. together is super tough. And isolating, right? Yeah. Awesome. Is there anything um, that you think our listeners should know when we think of that intersection between ED and substance use, something that maybe could help us take some of the stigma away when we think about it um, that could be helpful? I think partially just knowing that they're not alone. Lots of people struggle with this. Lots of people are experiencing it. And there are people out there who wouldn't shame them, who would hear them if they take that leap? Because often people don't, right? It's so scary when you're going through this alone. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. Giving yourself that space and Mm -hmm. to know that there is support if you need it. And then what kind of support can we find for maybe listeners who are listening and be like, okay, like I'm I'm recognizing myself through this. Um, What could we look at? So I would say, first and foremost, the most impactful things are finding someone in your life you can trust. Uh, and I, I hope that people have that out there. I know not everybody does. And if that's the case, there usually are resources in the city for free, right? Because I want to recognize also not everyone can afford to access therapy through private practice, right? And I'm even thinking, um, I know the city we live in has so many resources, although they are a little siloed, either disordered eating or substance use, at least I know in Ottawa, there is a lot of cross training going on. And I would hope in other cities, there's the same. That's awesome. And I like this piece of like finding someone maybe in your life to support that um, you can trust. Like, I think that's such a cool thing because you've talked about like how isolating this can be. So Mm -hmm. reaching to our support system can be super, super helpful. And then looking for different resources. And I know before we press play or the record for the podcast, you had talked about two different people that could be super helpful that people can look up and research. Yes. And so that's kind of around, um, like your nervous system and how disordered eating or substance use can be used as a means of survival. Um, And so if you're interested in maybe kind of like the nervous system stuff around it, their names are Stephen Porges and Deb Dana. Okay. Awesome. And we'll leave those people in the bio so you can check because there's a bunch of free resources that they have as well. Absolutely. Tons. They have so many free resources. And that's part of the reason I named both of them because they're not only incredibly knowledgeable around um, your nervous system and different things that we can do to survive, but they offer a lot of information for free. That's awesome. That's awesome. When you think of like nervous system work, 
Mm-hmm. I was thinking about someone listening to this to be like, why do I need to care about my nervous system? <laughs> yeah. I'm going through this. Like, why is that important? Um, so us talking about it being a survival mechanism there, our nervous system has lots of stuff going on and we could use the scientific terms, but I know whenever someone uses them with me, even though I understand some of the nervous system stuff, my eyes can automatically glaze over because the words are so boring. Uh, <laughs> so we're just going to talk about fight, flight, freeze, and then like being safe and engaged. Um, so our nervous system has two branches. One that brings us up. So that's kind of the fight flight response. And then the part that brings us down. So there's one part that brings us into freeze and another part that brings us into this kind of like safe-ish connected place. I would say we're both probably in a safe-ish connected place because we've been able to chat. We've been giggling throughout this, right? Um, If we were frozen, maybe we'd feel some kind of like numbness or whatever and just be like I have no idea what I said on that podcast (laughs) after saying like what did I say uh if we were in kind of uh if I was in a flight place maybe I wouldn't have shown up today (laughs) or if we were in a fight who a fight place you know we could have just been bickering over definitions who knows um but disordered eating and substance use can um be used as a means of like bringing you into more of a numbed out place, right? That frozen place. And when we talk about your nervous system, what ultimately the goal is, is how to help people figure out how to feel safe enough and connected. I want to also recognize some people aren't in safe environments. And so maybe they're doing these things in order to help them survive, right? Like going back to it being a survival mechanism. And when you're not safe emotionally, physically, or otherwise, sometimes we do things in order to cope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love the way that you, you've explained that of like things that bring us up, things that bring us down and like ultimately finding this place of, of safeness. And I think like when we thought, think about going back to the analogy slash metaphor mm-hmm. <laughs> with our log when we are on the beach, right. And we mm-hmm. are in a safe space, but we still don't feel safe necessarily mm-hmm. as like that piece there. Um, but also acknowledging that, like, I think for recovery anywhere in like any type of recovery, like we also have to be in a space where we are able to access that. Right? Yeah. Like you say, we're not in a space where we are safe it's going to be hard to if it's a way that it's supporting us absolutely and recognizing recovery might not feel safe right you're feeling all these new things you're having to rearrange relationships and your life and so of course you're wanting to go back to this thing that you're trying to stop doing or trying to change the way you're doing it and that's not failure no right i think that's a something with relapse with both mm-hmm. I mean, uh, my fault, personal failure, but when we understand that it's like, ah, it's not right. It's like a way that we, again, support ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I just see it as you were missing something or something came up in your life that kind of shone a light on something else you needed. Mm -hmm. And if we can take that like resurgence or slip or whatever we want to call it and look and go, okay, so what was going on? How did this happen? And what else do you need in order to keep moving forward? And then if it happens again, just recognizing, okay, I just needed some to pick something else up on my journey in recovery. 
And it's Mm -hmm. never a failure. It's just more information. Yeah, I love that. I was gonna say it's like just like gathering more data. Like mm-hmm. We're always we're always just gathering data to be like, okay, how how do I want to respond? Like, how do I move forward? How do mm-hmm. I stay connected? Like all of these things as we continue to move forward. Absolutely, and the reality is, if we did something for a really long time, or even just a significant time that was helped us survive something really hard we're going to want to go back to it when other hard things happen. 100%. And if we go back to it, then, and that's not a thing you want to go back to. Well, the fact that you were able to already start walking in the journey of recovery means you can do it again. It's, it's just hard. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love that. Like, I feel just like hearing you speak, speak gives a lot of space to just kind of like understand and give yourself more compassion and just kind of like seeing it for what it is and like, stop being so, so harsh on ourselves, which is hard. We're often really mean to ourselves about something that, I mean, we're deserving compassion for, right? A hundred percent. Self-compassion is so hard though. Oh, so hard. Gosh, I'm like, why don't they teach us that in school? (laughs) So (laughs) difficult. But it's a really cool skill when we get to learn to do that, right? To like be Mm -hmm. kind and nicer to ourselves. And that's also an ongoing journey. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) not a destination. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, I'd love for you to tell people where they can find you, where they can work with you, what you're up to these days. Tell us more about you. What are we doing? Um, So right now I'm at the Balanced Practice a few days a week working with people there and hopefully maybe working on the group a little bit in the upcoming year. I don't know how much you've talked about it. <laughs> we, we haven't talked much about it yet. <laughs> but yeah, exciting. We have exciting stuff coming at the balance <laughs> practice. Yeah. Uh, I'm also at Family Services Ottawa, which is a nonprofit organization a couple of days a week and in private practice. I'm just a little bit all over the place, but in the best way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're gonna put the link in the show notes too if people want to reach out to you to be able Mm -hmm. to work with you. Um, Like you said, like not a lot of people work through this intersection. So if Mm -hmm. you're looking for support, Katrina could be um, someone to reach out to. Absolutely. And before we end this podcast, we are gonna finish off with our fun questions. Okay. The first one is, what is your favorite food? Um, I think it's a combination of a specific meal. Uh, growing up, my aunt had this garden and she would make Caesar salad and everything from scratch and then make pasta and pesto sauce from scratch. And so even though I'm not necessarily eating everything from a garden and from scratch anymore, Uh, that is still one of my favorite combos because it reminds me of summers as a little kid. Oh, I love that so much. That's awesome. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Oof. Uh, (laughs) to talk to animals. (laughs) Okay. No joke. That's exactly what I thought you were going to say. Talk to your dog. (laughs) Absolutely. So she could answer me back when I ask her if she's my best friend every day. Like, yes, yes, you are. <laughs> Katrina has like the cutest dog. Her name's Winnie the Pooch. <laughs> that's, 
<laughs> I love that so much. All right. What is your favorite way to self-care? Um, this is going to make so much sense given my last answer. It's either to go on walks with my dog and do mindful immersion or just cuddle her. I love that. That's the yeah. best. Cuddles are the best. Really and last question for you, because this is the Balanced Dietitian Podcast and we work at the Balanced Practice. What does balance mean to you? Uh, I think balance is something I'm constantly striving for. It's figuring out what works for me at that time. So sometimes it means spending more time at work, focusing on that and really working on that, but also making sure that the rest of my life, I answered that funny. <laughs> no, I think this is awesome. It's just like day to day, what feels yeah. good for me and what's my balance. Yeah. I like the like flexibility of that. Yeah. I don't think balance is anything I ever fully have. It's just something I check in on every day, every week, every month. I love that. Yeah. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast here. Um, I hope this podcast was, was helpful to everybody listening. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. Wasn't this conversation so wonderful? Katrina is such an amazing person. And I'm so happy that she is part of our team. She is honestly so loved by everyone on the team and by all her clients, her way of being compassionate and meeting clients where they're at and just really supporting them through what they're going through is just so freaking amazing. I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast and learning about the intersection of substance use and eating disorders. And if you need support, if you have an eating disorder, you've been struggling with your relationship to food or to substance use, please reach out at info at thebalancepractice.com. We will be really happy to support you and get you started on a treatment plan to be able to get you back to recovery and to yourself. On that note, my friend, I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful day and we'll catch you in the next episode.